welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm one of your hosts, DM Celeste, aka Sea Witch. And I'm your other host, DM Neil, aka Jote Maniac. And today, today, on the forums, we're going to highlight back to where we collectively created a race. Mm. And it was the episode was entitled You Too Can Create, um, which I think is a super fun thing in Always like at some point in a DM's career, it's going to come up that one of your players or you just as the DM feel motivated to create a new race. Um, oh, yeah. And so this is an example of people working together to be able to create that. I also love the idea that I, I believe it was also a, a fairly aquatic race. So do they tie back to oh, the yes. sea witch? Cory blue-skinned, hairless humanoids. Ooh, yeah, I think they could rule, like, live in my kingdom, mm -hmm. my sea witch kingdom. <laughs> Whose eyes change color depending on their mood. <gasps> mood ring eyes. Yep, and Beautiful. their skin visibly pulse with electric current. Wow, they mm -hmm. sound extremely cool. Oh, that's right. There's a coastal version and a desert version. Ooh. So there you go. So the co coastal version are definitely in the realm of oh, yeah. sea witch. The sea witch realm. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what more to tell you. It's it's yeah. really it's, it's, it's very another, cool. Listen to it. Yeah, it's another really good one. There's a lot of lore behind it, and so then even if you didn't want them to be playable characters, which there are stats for that, if you just wanted to throw them into your world, there is that too. So, with that, let's head to the exercise already in progress. Under the sea. <laughs> Down where it's wetter. Down where it's better. Oh gosh. Well, I think that's smashing. And now we will try and take a marginally objective view at... I'll let you pronounce it because I feel like I'm going to mess it up. We're going with Kudivame. Yes. So it's a race that was built collaboratively with the forum users, as we like to do. And the original idea was posted by the forum user Never. And the race name is spelled... K-U-R-I-V-A-I-M. So if we're pronouncing it wrong, other than Kurivame, then you can let us know on Twitter or find us. No, don't find me. Please don't find me. <laughs> Please stay away from my house. <laughs> well, I'm moving, so they'll never find me. Uh-huh. But you leave a paper trail. Oh, I do. So one of my favorite things about DMnastics is when they tie back to previous DMnastics. So the first thing that we can tie back is that the race was created by the gods Rin and Yak, the lightning twins, which first appeared in DMnastics number 23, which is by far my favorite DMnastics because it's the one that just keeps on giving. <laughs> well, the Kurivame are blue skinned, hairless humanoids. And their eyes change color dependent on their mood. This is very important when it comes to communication because their eye color has a vast effect on the tone of the conversation since their voices are ultimately very monotonous. This becomes a very big deal when they come into contact with other races because their voices are so monotonous that their eye color has a huge effect on the tone of the conversations. And since most other races don't change eye color when they're angry or sad, they are very distrustful of other people because they can't really understand what the tone of the conversation is. And the other piece was that there are electrical pulses kind of 
along their skin, which ties back more towards the two gods that helped create them and just how subtle their, I don't, I don't know of another way to say it, but their body language is and how dependent they are as a race for all of that. The other one that it makes me think of, which is more comical than serious, is the Jawa and their stench that is necessary for communication and how foreign it makes the race feel. And I feel like there aren't a ton of those at this point for 5th edition. And put that out there, all of the mechanical crunchy side of this race which is available if you head to the forums but we won't talk about because it's not as exciting telling you plus two this plus two that but the whole thing is built for fifth edition and that fits really well because the physical description kind of reminded me of the more dragony side of dragonborn except they're almost more amphibious in a way they have dorsal fins they have bony spikes that are just extensions of their actual bones protruding from their elbows, shoulders, knees, all of their joints, basically. It's an interesting humanoid slash lizard type race. Yes, and there's two sub races that got built out. Another thing that we we haven't mentioned is that this one, as some of the DMnastics do, this one received a lot of love. Like there's a fully fleshed out race ready to drop in to your game if you want it right now. There's two sub races. There's background. There's how they interact with everyone else in the world. But the two sub races are interesting because one is desert and one is coastal. I loved the origin story that the forum came up with of how these were once one people and then there was a big civil war and there's a vision and then there's an earthquake or volcanic eruption and it results in these two completely separate people. It was just, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, and then it even harkens back to the fourth era of Dayimbe, sometimes called the Age of Extinction. Right now we're currently in the ninth, but... Just so much tied back to so many different aspects of the world and just a great example of what can happen with the use of collaborative story building and world building. I don't know. This is what I'm I don't even know what to do with this one because there's so much to like unpack and dissect and try and convey, but all of it is awesome. Well, let's start by like looking back at legend, which going back to that fourth age, understandably. And this is what I love about world building. You don't have to know that much because it was in the past. It's been storied and told and retold over the generations. And a lot of it is shrouded in complete mystery, as would make sense for a race legend. So according to legend, the Kurivame were once a single people, very tribal. I believe they originated in the desert. That's what I got. Yes, from- definitely. Okay. They had lots of intertribal conflicts, and there was one great warrior, Rahak, I believe it's pronounced? Yes. That works. Who tried to unite the clans, be sort of Joan of Arc, I kind of got, maybe? Oh, yeah. I can, I can see that. The perfect analogy. Yeah. He has visions. It works, sort of. He was determined to unite the clans and was kind of being a conqueror against other races, trying to take the Kurivame to greater heights. And then he had a vision. The vision was of the ocean and the prosperity for the Kurivame people and what the ocean could bring. And he actually renamed himself to Rahu, which is the Kurivame word for peace. And his most trusted lieutenant, Soja, 
feared for the loss of everything that they had accomplished there in the desert and killed Rahu in a fit of rage. I do really appreciate how Rahak is a very warrior-sounding name. It sounds very Klingon to me. Oh, yeah. And then Rahu is a much softer, more sort of spiritual leader type name. So I just, I love, I love naming things. That's like my favorite thing to do in world building. Whoever came up with that, it was on point. Well played. And it was with that division between Rahu and Soja that the two races were formed. And those are, those are the two people that stood at the head of the opposing sides. And that's actually how the sub races are named as well. The Rahu are the sub race that lives near the ocean. And the Sojost are those that are in their ancient homeland of the desert. Around the same time, it sounds like, of this social intertribal conflict going on, there was also intense volcanic activity, which very conveniently physically separated the two types of people. Or maybe it happened and then they decided to go their separate ways. Definitely the way the legend goes from the way that people in the forum came up with stuff is that the mountains that occurred as a result of this major volcanic eruption separated the people into two distinct races and they have never tried to reunite. Yes, it worked out. It's okay. The <laughs> Rahu people began to slowly change from their ancient way, or not well, not necessarily ancient ways, but just started to like physically adapt to their new environment and have very different features now than the Sojost, which makes for two super interesting when compared to each other, the two different sub races. I did think it was interesting that for the most part, they're physical appearances stayed pretty similar. The Sojast males are taller and more slender than the females, whereas it's reversed with the Rahu. The females tend to be taller and more robust than the males. I'm not sure why that is. If there's a matriarchal society amongst the Rahu or what's going on there, this is me going into uncharted territory for this building, but I would hazard a suspicion that the Rahu would develop a different skin texture than the Sojast. I would imagine that the Sojast would become kind of hard and caked to keep all the moisture inside when they're surviving in the desert, whereas the Rahu are, you know, sort of moist, to use my least favorite word. <laughs> ah, the least favorite word of many. Yes. But it makes perfect sense. I mean, not only are they living near the ocean, but also in dense vegetation. Both aspects are, I would assume, very devoid in the desert that the Sojast are working in or living in. Eh, they work there too, I assume. But <laughs> So the Sojast are still very nomadic. They consider themselves kind of the original Kurivame because which makes sense because they still live in the desert, which legend tells that that's where the race originally started. So they can survive in areas that other races simply could never survive in. They have a much smaller population, too. They only have about 150,000 people, which are spread across tribes throughout the sandy dunes of the Ankuri Desert. Yes, whereas the Rahu, you know, in the original 
idea and the original vision was for prosperity based on being near the ocean. And that's happened. The, at this point, there are cave systems built into the sides of cliffs near the sea. And they are super expansive to the point where now it is believed that the Rahu number close to a million, which is just astronomical to think of. Well, I guess it's been thousands of years since the division, but the fact that one population has so greatly thrived compared to the other is super, super interesting to me. Yeah, you could kind of say that maybe Rahu was right. (laughs) Maybe. I'm sure the Sojas would strongly disagree with that statement, but there's definitely been some prospering going on on the coast. The biggest physical difference that seems to have occurred is that the tails of the Rahu Kurivame are longer and flatter than those in the desert, and they have an additional short rubbery fin coming out of their mid-back, which it seems like basically works as a rudder. It allows them to swim with more grace and speed, which obviously is not super necessary when you live in the desert. No, I can circle this small pond much faster than you. (laughs) This oasis in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) I mean, how do you even get up to your swim speed at that point? Yeah. Well, I was curious whether something that wasn't actually covered yet in the forum, if the interaction with other races would have changed for the Rahu. And I'm curious what you think about that. Do you think that they became more easygoing, more open to working with other races? Done. So what we'll do right now is (laughs) add that to the forum post. Well, essentially, we'll lift the mental weights right now. And what you're referring to, and I don't know that we did yet, was that the... Kurivaim originally were dealing in drugs. Yes. And so they were dealing in narcotic or hallucinogenic drugs that were native to their people, but it was used typically in like a shamanistic or druidic tradition rather than substance abuse, which actually tends to happen when a Rahu is in another area than where they were raised, which... I mean, the like role playing aspect that that builds into the race is so awesome to me because then it's like if you want to play one of these sub races as a player character, you are going to have that dependency. Yeah, because like you have to. And how does that person handle it? Do they have the control because they are shamanistic or druidic and that's how they approach it? And It's a very controlled and measured thing that they do. Or is it like they don't know how to handle it? And then there's just this constant thread through their story of trying to figure it that out. I love how that is a built in racial character trait where you're prone to addiction, basically. Or maybe maybe you could even choose, are you prone or are you already actively addicted? Or just yeah. have it built in that you're you're addicted and you have to deal with it, whether you indulge it or you fight it. But it could be a check every time you go to do a long rest. Oh. Do you get high? <laughs> yeah, or like, or I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be those the narcotics it could just be that they when they're not in their homeland they have an addictive personality yeah and so then it could be you're in adventuring and every adventure starts in a tavern but (laughs) every kurivame ends up in a tavern that kind of idea but i like 
mulling over you know, in your original thought to bring it back around was do the Rahu transcend almost or get out that desire for the narcotics? Because do those plants even exist in their new habitat? Well, someone speculated in the forum that it might have something to do with sand, that sand is somehow necessary to the well-being and health of all Kuribem. And because in the coast you have sand, and of course in the desert you have sand. So that's why they're able to thrive in both locations. But the drug is still an aspect. So here's my thought on that. I've actually been thinking about that one a lot when I read the sand aspect being dependent. And hopefully I can try and make Rich Howard happy with my (laughs) very small knowledge of owning saltwater fish tanks for years now. But it could be the almost imperceptible things that exist in the sand that have existed there for, you know, since time began. And that those subtle nutrients or what the plants feed into the ground are picked up by the feet of the kurivame. And essentially, it almost be like getting that substance on a very low, almost imperceptible level. But then once you leave, you don't get it at all. I just had a really intense idea. Go. Which is, so sand ultimately comes from rocks from eons ago that was slowly pummeled down over the years. And what if... It's actually the volcanic rock from that explosion ages ago that has an effect on them somehow. And Mm -hmm. so the idea of them absorbing it through their feet to get super 12-year-old nerdy on you reminds me a lot of Animorphs. No turning back, no backing down, nowhere to run, no if you remember, whoa, that book, because it was I'm right sorry. next to all my goosebumps. Right? Because the race of the, you know, deer people that are the original morphing race, alien race that gives the morphing ability to yes. our favorite six middle school teenagers, they eat through their feet. And in fact, they don't have mouths. In fact, I wondered if the Kudivame had normal facial structure. Yeah. I kind of assumed that they did because it's pretty intense to make a humanoid different in that way. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, to get existential for a second with everyone, like just removing that aspect is such like a weird, weird thing to do. Yeah. I remember an Eddie Izzard skit about Star Trek and he explained how any humanoid race always had looked basically human, but with some tinfoil on their head, because otherwise you just absolutely hated them. Yes. Yeah, because if you think about it, even how far like we've gone with this, like um, blue skinned, emotion through the eyes, bony protrusions, and fins of some kind. Like, yeah. They already seem... look kind of like Electro from Spider-Man. Yes, but then... We you... can't go too much further. <laughs> but if you took the mouth off, you're just like, no, no, no. No one wants... These are clearly evil. They're, they're evil, obviously. Yeah. They also have the eyes from Dune, basically. Yes! <laughs> Except they change color, which that's my favorite part, actually, about, about them so far. And they live in the desert, so... And they live in the desert. I mean, if you read Between the Lines next time you go and read Dune, they're definitely in there, I think. Yeah. 
Oh, I did have a thought that because the Rahu live on the coast, I think that they would come into contact with other races far more often. The Soja has to live in the middle of the desert where it's hard for any other races to survive. So it would be easy for them to be cloistered and xenophobic as they are described in the forum. But the Rahu live on the coast. If they're not near a coastal town, there are certainly probably shipwrecks. They would come into contact with other races far more often. And since their purpose was to prosper, I could see them becoming tradesmen, maybe fishermen. Mm, I like that. Or, yeah, both fishermen and making goods of some kind. I mean, especially if you're talking about a race that numbers into the million, Mm -hmm. singular, not plural. After I said it, I was like, ah, that's going to sound weird, but here we go. There, I mean, they would almost be their own town anyways and like have to have a lot more structure and economy built around it to support that number of people. So yeah, I was thinking the same thing, almost like the Rahu live port town adjacent. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's the town that's usually kind of set in either a cove or something along those lines. But farther down the coast are all the cliffside dwellings of the Rahu people. Exactly. And they might travel into town to sell their wares or people might come to them because they're experts in whatever it is that they do. Okay. I have one idea and we can close it out with this one. Mm-hmm. What kind of seafaring vessel do the Rahu come up with? Oh, that is such a good question. What did they create? Because now this is where they live and they're needing to travel with goods and things like that. This is a something that I was really curious about going through the forum is that the question of technology at any level wasn't quite addressed yet of have they gone so far as to create ships like straight up little vessels that they take along rivers along the coastline or are they still at that you know kind of more basic raft level i'm kind of leaning towards rafts okay i'm with you and here's what i was thinking in relation to it okay it was a serious thought until i had too long with it and now it's more comedic in my mind i should have (laughs) just jumped out there so almost like a flintstone version of a raft because they you know and they're still living there near the water so they're still using kind of their own ability of swimming to power or propel the craft but then you and you can still have areas that you can put things so that it doesn't get wet so we're talking about a structure a ship like boat like structure or raft but with holes in it that they can pop their heads out and paddle underneath. Yes. Duck boats. Yes, exactly. Cootie vame duck boats. Yes. <laughs> is what we've come up with. Essentially, they got two kayaks and a stick, and they're just holding onto that stick, swim- yeah. swimming as fast as they can. Which would make sense because if they do trade, with, especially with other races, they have to transport whatever it is that they're, mm-hmm. whether it's goods or fish or whatever. So to make it easier, you definitely use the river because you're swimmers. And, but you're swimmers. You're okay with swimming. Mm-hmm. Like people invented ships because they couldn't swim. A lot of sailors historically actually couldn't swim. Well, that's this sailor right here as well. So <laughs> awesome. 
<laughs> That's definitely going to fade in and fade out. Um, that threw me off. <laughs> Ask them to review our show, Neil. <laughs> but if you liked that, and maybe you didn't like our singing, and you can tell us about that. But you could always leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. And of course, as always, if you really want to pay your gym dues, go find someone and tell them about the show. Yeah, and of course, if you want to reach out uh, to us directly, you can always send us an email at dmnastics at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at dmnastics, Neil at Jotemoniac, and myself at cconwich. And for everything else on the network, make sure to go ahead and visit blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. And if you want to know of someone that would sing far better than us, you far can better. <laughs> always think the bards over at Bombarded for the awesome intro and outro music that we have. And for everything else that they do, you can head over to bombardedcast.com. With that, we will turn out the lights and head out of the gym. Before we go, I want to implore you, the listeners, to join the forums, the Discord, Twitter, anywhere else you can find us and take part in these challenges, exercises, and the other amazing conversations being had. To do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some gymnastics. So your players don't ask, do you even lift? <laughs>